Good Sunday, everybody, and welcome into the Rocky Top Rewind here at VolQuest on our YouTube page. I'm Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. And Brent, 63-6, to Tennessee takes care of business over Akron, 3-0 for the first time since 2016. A lot to celebrate from yesterday if you're a Tennessee fan, but the challenge, it's just now beginning. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and for Tennessee fans, for the players, uh, their attention quickly turned um, following that game yesterday to zeros on the clock. Um, as soon as it hit zero, they quickly turned to Florida. And of course, everybody wants to know about injuries and where's everything at with Cedric Tillman. Here's what I'll say that I know right now. Uh, the focal point is on the ankle, and we'll wait and see. It depends on how much it's swollen um, and, and you know what's your pain level, how much can you cut on it, where does it look like it's going to be later in the week. I think there's going to be tons of speculation, Eric. I don't think we're going to know anything for sure, definitive, until later in the week. Josh Heupel does not like to talk about injuries. It's certainly hard to imagine that he's going to be 100% by Saturday if he can go. I don't think it's a given that he can go, but it's also Sunday night and you play in six days. So we'll just have to see. He went straight to treatment last night when he went in the locker room. Uh, that's why he didn't come back out after half. He was in treatment the entire time. So we'll see where he's at. Same for Jabari Small, same for Dylan Sampson. Um, I think it's going to be late in the week before we know anything on that. Same for Warren Burrell, you know, as to whether or not he's going to be available as well. So that'll be a big storyline, obviously, this week. In addition to the fact that game day's in town, it's Checker Nealon, and oh, by the way, you're playing the Florida Gators. Yeah, as if you need any more motivation, right? Uh, it's always something when Tennessee plays Florida. And understanding Tennessee's not had much success since Florida. Last win was in 2016, and of course, whatever that streak is, 16 to 17, whatever it is, Tennessee trying to change that narrative a little bit come Saturday in front of a sellout crowd with college game day against Florida. We got a big show coming up here tonight. I'm really excited. Uh, we're going to be joined by Casey Clawson in a matter of minutes. You know, former former Tennessee quarterback, really stoked about that one. We've got uh, a co-worker from Gators Online, Zach um, Alverdue. Alverdue, I'm going to mess that name up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come on, let us know about the Florida team and what Tennessee should expect. That's coming up at about 830. And then, of course, Austin Price will join us here at 845. A win that was expected, Brent. Tennessee emptied the bench. You know, we've recapped it, both of our review pieces uh, throughout the day, and we'll continue to speak on that a little bit. But everything pointing towards the Florida Gators, and, you know, what better man to tell us about the Florida Gators than a guy that played them and had some success against the Florida Gators? Yeah, he had a ton of success against the Florida Gators. Uh, the moment against the Gators was never too big for Casey Clawson, who joins us here on the Rocky Top Rewind. And, um, the moment was never too big for him in college football. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Hopefully he'll join us here in, in just a second. We'll get him lined up and, and settled in here. Uh, lots to talk about with him, lots to talk about with, with the Florida Gators, uh, and, and his matchups with them. And again, I think the one thing that stood out and, and stands up, uh, about Casey. And, and I think this is something that Josh Heupel's got a little bit. Casey always went into those games very loose. All the pressure, you know, everybody's talking about, can you beat Florida? Can you do this? You know, yada, yada, yada. The, the, the reality for Casey was he was never he was never stressed about it. It was just another football game. I think Josh Heupel's got a little bit of that in. I think you're going to see a more relaxed Josh Heupel this week than you did last week. I think last week against Akron bothered him because there was no discussion about Akron, and he was worried about his team being overlooked. I think he will go in the other direction this week and make sure 
that his team is relaxed and ready to play, that they're not stressed, they're not wound tight, even though the table is set. And let's be honest, the table has been set for Tennessee multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. Then we can, this is not like this is the first time Tennessee has had game day in town. They've checkered. They've had the, a sellout crowd. Butch had that opportunity with the Oklahoma game. We know what happened there. Tennessee couldn't get it done in overtime. You go back to when game day was in town and Derek Dooley was here and they had Tyler Bray and they had Cordero Patterson and all that team. And Trey Burton beats Tennessee basically single-handed for the Florida Gators. And and that's why Tennessee fans are excited, but Tennessee fans will be nervous because they've been at this table before with it ready to go. So we'll see how, um, we'll see how this team handles it. I I like the fact that you got a veteran quarterback and Hendon Hooker playing Eric. And I like the fact that you've got um, a, a coach who's a former quarterback who's played in big moments and been a, been a, been a big part of big, big moments. So I don't think the moment will be too big for them. I could be wrong, but I don't think it will be one of those situations where the moment is too big. I mean, Tennessee's a favored. All the pressure's on Tennessee when you look at this matchup, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so how do they it react? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it should be on Tennessee. Regardless, any way you want to quantify it, any way you want to – know break it down and discuss it's just a game that tennessee much like tennessee kentucky but kind of on the other side tennessee just can't get past the florida gators um and like you said the stage has been set so many times before tennessee though it's played two mac opponents uh had an overtime win against pittsburgh Uh, i understand that they've cruised through two of the three games i mean you know florida's florida slates they, they they've been challenged of course utah in week one and we can have the debate if Utah was overrated at the time. I think we can all agree that they probably were, but a solid Kentucky team they're in week be, They're two. better than Ball State. Yeah. Utah's better than Ball State. Kentucky's yeah, better. better. You know, Kentucky and Pittsburgh would be an interesting matchup. I'd probably give Pittsburgh the edge if they were healthy there, I think, because of their physicality. But you're right. I mean, Florida's been, you know, uh, they've been tested with two harder, two games that are more difficult than what Tennessee's played. The Pitt game was a good test for Tennessee, there's yeah. no doubt. Um Florida's not been on the road. I think that's in. I think that plays into Tennessee's favor and this mm-hmm. crowd's favor. Something we'll talk about all week long. I think the crowd can be a real impact in this game. There's no doubt about that. For those of you who are just joining us online um, and, and watching, that you're asking. Some of you guys are asking about Cedric Tillman. Again, I, I'll reiterate this. We'll reiterate it before the show's over. I think it's going to be the end of the week before you know anything. Um, I think it depends on how the ankle reacts. I think it depends on what his uh, you know, pain level tolerance is. We don't know that. I think it depends on whether he can, can cut and move. Um, so I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of speculation all week long as to where it's at. He's got six days of treatment here to try to get it right, and, and we'll see. I don't know how much it swelled up when he took his cleat off last night and how much it swelled up and how sore it was today. We'll just have to wait and see as the week progresses. Don't expect any kind of real update from Josh Heupel. Um, and that's just not the way he plays the game. He does not like to discuss injuries at all. He's not going to get specific about anything. Maybe we'll know something more middle of the week in terms of who takes her place, Eric, at his place. If, 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 if he cannot go, that's an interesting debate on, on kind of where that goes. I think Brew McCoy, maybe you move him to the other side to where he's on flanked on the same side with Jalen Hyatt and Ramel Keaton becomes the backside guy. You know, the opposite guy from from that? I don't know. That's something Alex Golish and, and Josh Heupel will have to figure out if you do not have Cedric Tillman. 
Yeah, and um, I think regardless that that extra body that will be thrown into the to the fray if Tillman can't can't go, I mean it's it's hard to point at anybody else other than Ramel Keaton because he's been kind of that guy that's been backing up that position for the last two years. Now I like what they did with Squirrel White. I'm not saying Squirrel White would be a guy that would go and play on the outside. That's not what I'm saying. But the versatility factor could could you see anything? I wouldn't move. I wouldn't mess with it right now. But Jalen Hyatt can play outside. Those are some conversations you might have if, if you know, worse comes to worse. But I will say on Hyatt, at least, if if Tillman's a no-go for the Florida game, and we'll, 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 you know, watch that as the week goes on, the way Hyatt has begun this season, specifically the last two games, really the first game as well, I understand it was Ball State, but getting in the end zone on, on play number one there, um, just a, a rejuvenated mindset, such an impressive player right now. Um, he had a, a night of his life. What was it? Five receptions for you know two long touchdown catches, well over 100 yards. What was it? 156 yards. You feel good about what you've seen from Hyatt so far this season to kind of pick up that slack if worse comes to worse and you lose your guy in Cedric Tillman for the Florida game or for whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I, I love what Jalen Hyatt's doing. I, I've said yeah. this on every show that I've done. Um, that that I think he's the best story on this football team because of where he was late last year compared to where he is now. I don't know that I've seen a player make the mental transformation that this kid has made. Um, you know, he said in the media room last night, two touchdowns, big night, all the praise, and, and he reiterated multiple times that he hadn't accomplished anything. That's maturity because he knows mm-hmm. it's going to get harder. He knows the challenges are going to be more difficult this week against the Florida secondary. It's an interesting matchup. Florida's best strength on defense is their secondary. Tennessee's best strength on offense is their ability to throw the ball. So can Tennessee line up and run it? Because South Florida ran it very effectively. Utah ran it very effectively. Can Tennessee run the football? I still, Eric, don't think we know exactly how good Tennessee's run game is or isn't. I, I mean, They've done it against two weak opponents. They didn't really try against Pittsburgh because they didn't believe they could run it against Pittsburgh's front. So what do they think they can do against Florida's front? I think it's going to be really interesting to see. As for Jabari Small, I know Josh Heupel said he could have come back in the game. I don't know. You know, I think that's, again, further evaluations, a shoulder look like or upper body deal. Remember, he missed multiple games with that shoulder, so we'll have to see there. Same for Dylan Sampson. You know, he rolled his ankle. I, th- I don't think anybody feels like that's a severe ankle sprain, uh, but running back and ankle sprains are challenging. So we'll have to see where mm-hmm. he's at middle of the week as well. So biggest storyline, biggest question mark for Tennessee offensively all week long is going to be about the injuries. I was going to say, you uh, you know all about those ankle injuries here for, here lately over well, the summer, isn't that right? Yeah, and here, I'll say this. Um, there's two things I will say. One, ankle high ankle sprains are hard. Um, yeah. I never had one. I had one this summer. So uh, – I understand why there's a player who misses multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. They're difficult to get back over. Or tries the, to go in, give it everything you have, and you just simply can't go. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll say this, too. Everybody kind of talked about, well, Cedric Tillman told his teammates he was fine last night, right? Um, I'm good. You know, Jabari Small told people on the sideline, I'm good. Okay. Adrenaline at that point, you, you can feel pretty good, right? I, I would have lost a lot of money, you know, if somebody would have told me that I had a broken hip as I was on my way to the to the emergency, <clears throat> excuse me, to the emergency room to get it checked out after, you know, the water skiing deal, I never dreamed that it was broke. So sometimes you don't know. You got to be real yeah. cautious and getting all excited because a kid says, 
hey, I, I'm, I'm fine, you know, moments after it happened, because it's really about what it feels like the next day and the day after. So um, we'll, we'll see. Jamie Pritchard here with a good with a good comment, too. Walker Merrill probably deserves some opportunities, right, Eric? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're looking for some more bodies outside, uh, I, I like what Walker Merrill's done in two games, in, in two opportunities he's played. Didn't get the opportunity against Pittsburgh. I think he's come on. I think he's solid. And, and I, I don't think I don't think you would I don't think you should be afraid to play him in a football game. I, I don't think he's done anything to scare you about that. Then I'll ask you this one while we wait. We get Casey here in a minute. I think I had my clock wrong. He had it right. I didn't. I, I know that's a shock to everybody. Um, Aaron <laughs> Brown wants to know, is Squirrel the punt returner going forward? Eric, what are you doing there? When I look at a punt returner, first and foremost, I want someone who can secure the catch. And it is not as easy as it looks. I obviously was never a punt returner, but um, getting under there, trying to track that ball, it's it's no walk in the park, okay? Um, but you also want someone that can impact the game. I mean, Valus was so critical for this team in so many different areas last year, but he gave them something. I mean, truly, that third phase of the football game and, and break that down in particular, the returns – um, he gave that offense great field position so many times and gave him a, gave him a spark. I'm not sure. I've not seen that um, throughout his career as a punt returner for Trayvon Flowers. I think he tried to do a little something uh, on, on the first one the other night whenever he you know had the fair catch and then tried to pull it down and go. But Squirrel obviously had that one 23 yards, nearly took it down the sideline for, for a house call. He's the type of player that can make guys miss in short, short uh, space has enough speed to get out there on the edge. I would go with Squirrel personally. Maybe that's an overreaction from seeing him yesterday. I get it. But I just want an impact player. I want someone who can change the course of a ball game. I think Squirrel White can do that more than Trayvon Flowers. But first and foremost, got to make that catch. And that's something that Trayvon Flowers obviously didn't do Pittsburgh towards the end of the game. And we'll have to see a Squirrel White if the confidence is there for him every single day in practice to maybe give him a shot in SEC play. Well, here's my thing with Squirrel White. And then we're going to get Casey in here. Is yeah. I... I I was while the punt return, the return that he nearly housed, that he nearly took the house was great. I was just as impressed with the fact that he didn't look bothered by fielding the ball. He made a good decision on whether to fair catch, not fair catch. He didn't do anything that made you nervous, right? I mean, it wasn't like the ball was bouncing on the ground and he's trying to pick it up in a pile or he's trying to return one when there's no chance to return it. He gets blasted. I thought he was pretty smart in his decision making. So uh, I think that you can draw confidence beyond just the return and the potential playmaker ability there with the fact that he was solid in the decisions that he made. I I would be very interested in putting him back there. If your punt's safe and you're going to get backed up and you don't feel comfortable and you want to go flowers there, I'm fine with that. Uh, But, boy, if you feel like he can field it with the dynamics he's got, it, it only makes sense. So we'll see. All right, let's see if we can get Casey Clawson in, in on this uh, Rocky Top Rewind to talk a little bit about the Florida Gators. There, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, the Gator killer himself, right? Casey <laughs> Clawson joins us from California um, where he's in the middle of, I guess, high school preparations, right, Casey? Yes, sir. How are you guys doing? I'm doing, doing great, well. man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Before we get into your success against Florida, specifically in some of those games, as a player, what's a week like this feel like? I mean, Tennessee's got game day coming. It's sold yeah. out. You, you got Florida, a rival coming who you haven't beaten in a long time. As a player, how difficult is this week to manage? Is it hard? Is it 
Is it harder compared to Akron when you're a 50-point favorite? What's this week feel like as a player, Casey? I think it's exciting. Um, I think it's uh, you know reason why myself and I'm sure a lot of the guys that are currently there uh, came to Tennessee is obviously playing big games, um, you know, like this and the atmosphere and the environment's the biggest thing. Um, I'm excited to obviously watch uh, the game and have a chance to uh, see the guys. Been watching the first couple of games. Love the offense. Love the uh, air, air throwing the ball everywhere up the field. And uh, you know, can't be more excited for the the, uh, the group and kind of the program and where it's headed. And obviously, this weekend's a big game. But the biggest thing is like anything else. You win it, obviously you have a next week, and then obviously if it don't come out well and you lose it, you obviously have a tough game too. So I just think guys are well, just play uh, loose, have fun, and just go compete. Casey, this offense, would you like to have control of this offense? Would you have enjoyed playing in an offense like this? Uh, I would have loved it. The only thing is, those are the zone read might have been a little ugly. Uh, holding <laughs> it, I would probably got three yards and then slid uh, yeah, down but. I love the offense. I love the splits. Um, they put the pressure on the defense. The, the offense, the coach hype, and um, the guys run, um, they dictate to the defense and how they're going to play. And with the tempo and with the splits um, and obviously being one, being able to run the football, um, it's dynamic. I mean, I can't wait. I mean, this is only year two, and obviously they're slowly integrating their um, type of uh, skill guys um, obviously, uh, outside receiver and the running backs, and obviously the offensive linemen. But um, it, it's obviously a lot of fun to watch. It's very impressive what they're able to do. And um, the tempo. Uh, I think the biggest thing, obviously, in college football, last I say three to five years, is just the tempo of the game and them dictating to the defense um, how the defense is going to play versus, you know, kind of the old school days. It was kind of, you know, a chess match back and forth. There's no secrets offensively what Tennessee is going to do. And you got to try to stop it. And um, they always have a kind of answer to, you know. Casey, as a, as a quarterback, as the leader of a football team, leader of the offense, going into a game like this against a rival, you know, packed house, you know, all, all that, all that hoopla we talked about, how difficult is it to control your emotions, to stay steady, to not get too amped up? Because I feel like in certain situations that might contribute to some, maybe some early struggles, you know, for you or for the team. How how difficult is it to kind of control your emotions right out of the gate in a, in a game like this? Uh, I think it's, I think it's part of it. I think, um, you know, back in the day, um, we were kind of in the analogy of like boxing slash UFC. We always want to throw the first punch. So basically first play of the game, um, let's take a shot first play of the game. What's going to happen? Either touchdown, incomplete pass, PI. I don't know, but like we always kind of want to take the first shot and throw the first punch. I think in this game, um, in the past, we've always played from behind. Uh, and I'm going, you know, back some days now, right? So, you know, it'd be 14 nothing first quarter before you even look up at what, what just happened. So I think the key thing, um, regardless, is just to play the game. Um, they put on their helmets, just how we put on our helmets. That was a line back in the day because obviously we, before it kind of had our number and kind of still somewhat does. But at the end of the day, it's X's and O's and Whichever, whichever teams are make more, more plays. So um, take the coaches out of it, take the schemes out of it. It's the Tennessee players versus the Florida players, and whichever one makes the most plays is going to win the game um, once the ball's kicked off. All right, Casey, I wanna, I'm going to get back to the scheme thing in just a second, but I want to ask you this. You, you mentioned all those things. That was your mentality. Your mentality was, guys, it's football, right? Let's, let's go play. Yep. How did you convey that to the locker room and what's the key for Hendon Hooker or some of these veterans to convey to the Tennessee locker room? Guys, 
they're doing the same thing we do. What's the, what's coach Fulmer's old line. They like the same girls you like and, and all of that <laughs> stuff that he gave in his speech. Yeah. How did you convey it? And what's the key to doing that? If, if you were advising Hendon hooker and, and some of the veterans on this team, I think it's already been done by the summer workouts and the summer throwing sessions and the barbecues um, at whoever's house and the hanging out. Like that, that's just kind of part of it. That, that's kind of way we did it. Um, you know, back in the day was, it's just, you know, it's a brotherhood, it's a bonding and I trust you, you trust me type deal. And no matter what the score is, no matter what uh, the outcome in the first quarter, second quarter is we're going to win the game. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I think it's trust in each other. And I think, um, you know, knowing Hendon and obviously the experience he got last year in year one, and I, I say that again, in year one of an offense, you know, year two is a whole different deal. The game slows down, the understanding of the offense uh, slows down the scheme and the feel for what obviously, the, uh, you know, Coach Heupel and those guys want to do. Um, obviously, he's a lot more comfortable and just watching him the first, you know, two, three games. Um, it's just trusting, trusting your guys and um, having an answer that no matter what they do, they want to come out and cover zero like Pittsburgh did. We're going to throw 15 deep balls and we can hit six or five of the 15 deep balls. There's 35, 42 points. If for whatever reason, Florida, not normal Florida wants to rush four and drop seven or, or rush three and drop eight. then obviously the run game is going to be key and obviously taking what the defense gives you. So I just think the system that they run, um, the style, the tempo, again, puts a lot of pressure on the defense and the wild card that Hendon has is his legs. Um, the game is so fast now that, yes, every once in a while the defense is going to dial it up and cover every single guy, read one through four, and he's going to have to make some plays with his legs, which he can, which I feel in today's game you got to be able to do um, is uh, make plays with your legs as a quarterback. All right. You mentioned the word trust a couple of times in, in that in that answer. Last night, Squirrel White gets Hendon Hooker kind of going in the game because he catches a 47-yard ball doing downfield, makes a really good play, uses his speed. As a veteran quarterback, when is that moment that you say, all right, I can count on that guy? And I ask it for this reason. Jason Swain has told me about three different times you threw him a 50-50 ball as a freshman against Marshall. He made the catch, and from that moment on, your trust factor in him was different. Not that you didn't trust him before, but he proved you something on the game field. How big was how big is the, like that catch last night by Squirrel White for Hendon Hooker to say, you know what, I don't have to always go to my senior guy. I can go to I can go to this young guy because he's going to be okay. Trust is everything. Um, you know, we we had practice obviously in, in Coach Fulmer's you know famous line and still stands to today. I tell it to my kids is the way you practice is the way you're going to play. That's ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But when the lights come on in front of 105,000 people at home where it's quiet or on the road, where there's 105,000 people yelling, screaming at you when you're on offense, you got to make plays. And at the end of the day, um, making plays is, I think, the most important thing. And uh, trust goes a long way, and you got to be able to win in one-on-one battles. Um, obviously, Cedric's the main guy. Uh, whether Florida locks him up one-on-one, wants to put a stick over the top, whatever, he's not going to be able to win the game by himself. The offense spreads the ball over the field, four wides, you know, three wides, the whole deal. So I think as many guys that obviously Hendon can get, um, you know, the football and obviously trust. Obviously, if he goes out and throws the ball, you know, five times the same guy and he drops all five, probably not going to have the most you know, trust or confidence in that guy. But I think the more uh, depth, and I know they're trying to obviously get more depth and growth at the receiver position is only going to make that offense, um, you know, even better. So 
I think to answer your question, it's all about making plays on Saturday nights. Um, and I'm excited to watch that this week, this Saturday. Kind of more on that that trusting thing right there, you gaining the trust of your receivers and your teammates in a, in a game like setting. You know, Hendon last week in Pittsburgh went to went to Cedric Tillman eighteen times, eighteen targets, hauled mm-hmm. in eleven of them or something like that. Or, you know, uh, Jalen Hyatt has been more of a focal point in that game, and obviously uh, the game against Akron. H- how much is too much, or is it as simple as you know I'm trying to win a football game, I'm going to go to my guy, or is there a point in time where you're saying, all right, well. You know, you, you can favor one guy, but you need to you need to give the other side of the field a look just to kind of keep the defense honest. Or is it just a matter of going out there and trying to win a football game? It's all about coverage. Um, if I have two guys that I trust and they're going to cover those two guys one on one, I'm going to those two guys the entire game. If they're going to roll coverage over and take one of my guys away, then obviously it's going to go over to the other guy. You can't take both because obviously there's a run game involved, right? So they want to rush four, drop eight, or rush three, drop eight, seven, whatever it is. Um, you, you got to kind of pick your, you know, choose, choose your poison, as we said back in the day. Um, if they want Tennessee to go on six, eight, nine, ten play drives, then you're probably going to see a lot of too high, um, a lot of the cities over the top to help out the corners. Again, I don't know much about Florida's defense and their scheme with the new coaching staff, but Florida thinks they're pretty good on defense. Um, Florida thinks they have athletes just how you know, we have athletes, right? So I'm just going to try to mix it up a little bit. But um, if my outside guys are double covered, obviously now I'm working – you know, inside to my slots and we're running the ball. And if we got to run the ball 35 times for 500 yards, then that's what it's going to take. But I think with the splits and the formations um, and a running threat at quarterback, the defense can't, can't take it all away. The they got to pick and choose what they want to do. All right. I'll get in trouble by all the Tennessee fans watching if we don't dive into a little bit of 2001, Casey. So let's Let's wrap up. Let's let's crank up the time machine here and go back a little bit. I know you. I, I know you get asked about it all the time from any Tennessee fan out there. As you further removed yourself from that that game, what are the two or three lasting memories that 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 you will always keep close to you from from that night in, in December in two thousand one? I think uh, you know just looking at it from the outside in, and obviously being away from it a while, just. You know, how big of, I guess, underdog we were with as talented a, as a team that we had, um, especially with it being played late in the year. Obviously, Dante was back healthy. Uh, Big John was back healthy. Um, we had gotten more younger receivers um, integrated in our offense. So, I mean, we, we had pretty much Kelly, Bobby, Dante, uh, Jason, um, Trav. I mean, we had four or five legit guys that we could throw the ball to at any moment of time. And kind of how – we got rolling in the second part of the season, throwing the ball. Florida came out to do what? Stop our pass. So, I mean, they, they were pretty much too high majority of the game. So, I mean, Trav just went off. And then they slowly kind of go into those single high to try to take away the running game. Then we hit some guys, uh, made some plays on, on the perimeter. But, I mean, if you go back in the first half, Dante and I think, uh, you know, Kelly might have had two or three catches the whole first half. We, 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 we ran the ball. We jumped on them early. I think it was like seven nothing or fourteen nothing right out of the gate, and obviously we got for the quarterback. You know, our, our front seven back then was really, really, really good, and um, you know Rex and, and the group that they had, Coach Spurry had, um, it was obviously a talented group too. But it was a heavyweight bout, and um, nobody really gave us a chance. Which looking back on it was, I guess, a little surprising, just because you know, we had some guys. But it was a fun atmosphere, great environment, and um, we got the big one. Was that your favorite? Is that your favorite? I know it's the. I know it's Tennessee fans. I mean, I mean, you, you went on the road in a bunch of places, right? Yeah. You did a lot of things. What 
what, what, what is that one at the top or is there another game or another moment that, that, that you cherish just as much as you cherish that win? Yeah, there, there, there's a few, I think, as I got older that I cherish probably as much as that one. I know that one was a special one for obviously the program and, and for Coach Fulmer and, and for the, um, you know, the Tennessee family and for the fans, right, because we had a whole lot of success. But, I mean, we were good and they were good. So, I mean, if we played each other probably ten times, we might want, win five and they might win five. I don't know. But I think as I got older, um, you know, and we played some, you know, we played at, at uh, Miami, we played at Florida again, we played at uh, Alabama, um, and we were a lot younger then. I was obviously older, but we were like younger. And those teams, um, as we developed and we grew and kind of came together, maybe some games that people didn't count us in on to have some success, we were able to, you know, come out with wins on the road. I think we're, we're special too for me. But um, obviously being able to go down there um, in that environment, as you guys know, I, I loved – play on the road. I mean, the SEC football yeah. is obviously um, you know, the best, but when you're able to go into somebody else's stadium um, that uh, obviously is passionate about football and have fans just like we do um, and win, uh, there's nothing sweeter. So uh, a, lot, a lot of special times back there. Hey, Brent, I just want to get one more. I know, I know we got to get him out of here, but uh, we appreciate everybody over here on the column you know, leaving comments. It's, that's an awesome part about this live show. But I do want to take one to Twitter. Our guy Channing chimes in. Ask Casey if he'd entertain being the guest picker for College Game Day this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to. Uh, I don't know what day it is. Uh, we have a game. Uh, I'm coaching out here at my alma mater, actually, Alamania uh, High School. So I don't know what time that is or what day it is um normally rick and i like to come back um every other year for the florida game uh, i just heard today that obviously college game day is going to be out there in the whole deal so we're not unfortunately going to get out there but um i don't know what time it's going to be but uh if i'm around i'd love, love to do it obviously stay involved talk to the coaches obviously phrase max uh, scotty altizer is back there so we're excited about the future of the program and obviously you know big game this saturday and we're going to watch it Hey, did, did you like the nickname? I never asked you that. Uh, did, did, yeah. did, 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 did you like the whole the whole yeah. ice man? I mean, it, it was I know it was yeah. the hair in part, but then it was also the fact that you were so cool and calm and collected on the road. You lost one road game in your career as a starter. Mm-hmm. Did, did you like that, or was that kind of like, yeah, it's not I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't mind it. I, I think um in a way, talking to the guys and kind of being away from it. I think it kind of brought, a, I guess, a calmness, I think, maybe on days like coming this Saturday because um, this game was always played very early in the season. Um, and looking back on it, Tennessee was just as talented as Florida for however long. And for whatever the reason, it felt that the bounces just didn't go our way for whatever the reason. Um, and before you knew, as I mentioned earlier, the first quarter is over and we're down 21-7 or we're down 14 nothing. It's then that we're always kind of battling back in. And I kind of mentioned, you know, let's just go play ball. I mean, you know, the f- first play of the game, go double reverse pass. Like, let, let's go for a ver- – like, like, like what, what's going to happen? I mean, we haven't beaten in how many years? So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, let's just go play. And I just think that that um, mindset that we had um, from pretty much 2000 to 03 is, yeah, they're good. We respect you. But – we're just as damn good. And, you know, we, we don't really care about you. We're going to take care of our, our, our brotherhood and our family here. And let's get the, let's get, let's get it on. And I think that's kind of how our attitude was when we were there. And 
again, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I love watching um, the game. Um, and I love obviously watching Tennessee, but I just love college football. It, it's the best sport out there. It's the purest sport out there. And when the lights come on and the ball's kicked off, take the X's and O's, take everything out of it. It's that team versus this team. And whichever team makes the most plays is going to win. And that's what I love about college ball. Casey, awesome. we love Casey you, man. Ball. We appreciate the time. And we appreciate you joining us, man. Tell Rick we said hello. Good luck to you guys out there through your high school season uh, this year. And um, on behalf of all the Vol fans, thanks for the memories that you provided. And um, I hope you understand how much appreciation there is for your game when you were a player. And as time goes on, how much appreciation there is for all you accomplished at Tennessee. It's great to see you, my man. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. And uh, go balls. I appreciate it. That is Casey Clawson joining us here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Eric, I mean, a lot of people misunderstood him early in his career, right? Because he was California mm -hmm. cool and everything else. But but I'm just telling you right now, he, he was he was as competitive as anybody could be, a little bit misunderstood early in his career. He loved kids. He did so much community service in this town that nobody ever knew about. He was a, he was a gem who could absolutely play the game and absolutely – uh, took Tennessee to a different place against some of those rivals for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And as you pointed out, he could absolutely play. And, you know, it's there's been some tough times the last 15 or so years. Hopefully that's in the rearview mirror. But, uh, you know, Casey Clawson was a, a good quarterback with some good football teams uh, that he was leading back there in the early 2000s. That was a whole lot of fun to watch for me growing up as well. Uh, another big-time football game coming up next Saturday, of course, sold out uh, Neyland Stadium, college game day, all the works. That's going to be the Florida Gators coming to down for the SEC opener. And on from Gators Online, Zach Alberti is going to join us to break down the Florida Gators when we come back right here on Rocky Top Rewind. Eric Kane, Brent Hubbs, Rocky Top Rewind here on this Sunday night. Thanks so much uh, for everybody joining us and le leaving us comments. Tennessee coming off a 63-6 to win over Akron. The challenge just beginning. Florida comes to town next week and hear from Gators Online. Zach Alberti is going to join us right now and tell us all about the Florida Gators. Zach, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Appreciate yeah. you having me. Doing really well. Appreciate you joining us. Florida, obviously Florida, Tennessee, It's it's been one-sided for so long. Uh, last win for Tennessee 2016. We know about the streak 16 to 17, all that and more. Uh, this Florida team got off to a fantastic start. Big time win in Billy Napier's debut against Utah. Huge win. You know, fell to a tough Kentucky team the week after and, of course, struggled against uh, South Florida just yesterday. What do you kind of make of this Florida team three games in uh, to the season? Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of the inconsistency that, you know, was the was the byproduct of their six and seven year in 2021. Um, they clearly have some talent. They, they have moments um, on defense and offense where they, you know, make plays, but just consistently throughout the course of the game. And obviously now that they've, you know, gone, gone throughout their schedule a little bit, we've seen some things come up that are concerning. Um, I, I thought that the defense – you know, played well for the most part in the loss to Kentucky, uh, then took a step back uh, against USF. And then offensively, it's it's really been highlighted by Anthony Richardson's struggles. Uh, he came out in that season opener, played really well against Utah, and showed that dual threat ability. And, you know, took a low hit on that uh, first series uh, against Kentucky, and, and really, to me, hasn't been the same since. Uh, he kind of admitted after the USF game, 
that there are some times that he's dealing with pain and that he's just, you know, banged up over the course of the game. Um, but that's not the only thing that he's dealing with. I think that he's, you know, lacking confidence. I think that him learning this new offense and trying to process everything along with being a new starter. Um, uh, so this has been a work in progress, obviously. And now the Gators have to go on the road for their first, uh, you know, road test of the season. You know, when you look at Anthony Richardson, Zach, is it a situation where he's been hesitant to run or has it been that teams are disguising or playing him different defensively based on what they saw in the Utah game? Or is it a combination of both of those things? I think it's a combination of a lot of things, including those two. Um, I think that defenses are obviously uh, committing to not letting Anthony beat them with his legs, which is which is obviously uh, based on these last two games, probably smart, you know, coming off back-to-back uh, performances where he's thrown two interceptions. Uh, but I also think that, you know, dating back to the matchup with Will Levis, I think that there was um, a little bit of self-motivation that he had going on. You know, he had the, the poster in his locker that everybody learned about in the offseason where – he had the top four quarterbacks in the SEC laminated, and, and he wasn't one of them, and, and Will was. And I think that he went in there in that game with basically half the NFL there to watch these two guys and was trying to beat Will Levis at his own game. Uh, and I think that he's been forcing the pass. Um, I think that along with the injury as well, where he's you know maybe been hesitant to run, um, you know not as comfortable, I think, setting his feet as well. And then I think just a lack of confidence. He, you know, really hasn't gone through these growing pains before of, of having to learn how to play the next series, play the next play, um, kind of deal with those struggles throughout the course of the game because he's always just been coming off the bench and kind of being a spark plug for the Gators. So um, it's a combination of things. And, and it's unfortunately for him, it's not going to get any easier this Saturday in Rocky Top because now he's got to deal with the noise and all the adversity that comes with playing on the road in the SEC. Yeah, Zach, you kind of touched on it there. Um, you know, n- not going from one play to the next or, you know, maybe forcing some things. But, I mean, throwing the football, it's it, it's obviously not been pretty so far this year. I, th- I don't think he's thrown for a touchdown, four interceptions. I haven't had a chance yeah. to watch a whole lot of tape. I've seen a little bit, obviously, some of that Kentucky game last week. Uh, but what else about Richardson throwing the football has just kind of not gone well so far this season? Is it I, – I do – believe that I, th- I think confidence can certainly affect that has he not been taking enough chances he's not trusting himself it just on paper uh, him throwing the football it just it just doesn't look good so far yeah and, and he's had moments where you know he had a throw to Trent Whittemore last night uh you know had a, tr- a throw to Justin Justin Shorter uh the one that wasn't intercepted uh you know it was a deep ball kind of down the field that uh you say okay um <laughs> There's some of those throws that, you know, we know that he's capable of. And then there's been times, man, where he's just sailing guys. He's throwing at their feet. Um, he's off target. Um, and and I, I think some of it goes to the offense. I think him, uh, you know, you know, processing things and, and going through that, I just don't think he's there yet. I think he's struggling with that. He's missing guys. You know what I mean? I mean he's just flat missing guys that are wide open, easy check down throws that he can make that he's just not seeing. Um, and I also go back to what I started with. I, I don't think that he is confident in his abilities because he's not a hundred percent and he can't run like he wants to. Um, and you know, it's hard to explain, but I I mean, I I think that 
you know, when he when he's at 100 percent, you know, I think that he lets those throws come naturally and, and he lets those kind of plays develop because he knows that if they don't, he's got the ability to take off and run. And I think that in the back of his mind for the past two games, knowing that he does not have that in, in the back of his pocket, um, I think that's caused him to be a little bit more stressed and press in the pocket. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's just, he's just not, you know, uh, processing things the way that he should. And I think that that pressure is getting to him. I think that, you know, when he goes out there and has a series where he goes three and out or he misses a wide open guy, he has a hard time getting over that. And that, and that kind of snow, that's a little bit of a snowball effect going on. Um, and the only way that he's going to get through that is to go out there and play well and have some confident boosting performances. Um, but again, he's got a tough test this Saturday against Tennessee. All right, let's talk a little bit about the defense before we let you get out of here, Zach, because I know you got a bunch of stuff to do to get ready because it's going to be a crazy week of coverage for all of us. But the, the, defensively, Florida's had a hard time stopping the run, okay? I mean, I know Kentucky doesn't run it well, but Kentucky hasn't run it very well all year long. Utah goes for 200 yards, uh, nearly 300 yards rushing by South Florida last night. Yeah. What What's going on with the Florida front seven against the run? Because – that's always been a mainstay. They've always had dudes uh, up there, and they've always been able to stop the run because they played press man coverage in the secondary and said, "Hey, we're yeah. taking that away." I know you got a new coordinator going on down there. What What do you see out of the rush defense and out of the front seven for the Gators? Yeah, I mean they they've had their moments, but honestly, um, right now, uh, Brent, you know they don't have Ventrell Miller, and um, I think everybody knew going into that last game once it was announced that he was going to be out against USF, that that was a huge loss for the defense. We saw how much it was on Saturday night. Um, you know, their six-year senior starting middle linebacker, uh, you know, vocal leader of the defense, the heart and soul of really the team. I mean, he's, he's kind of one of the guys. Um, you know, and he's also the one that's making all the calls. I mean, he's, he's directing traffic. He's getting guys lined up. And you replace that, um, that alpha dog, right? That, that guy that just when he speaks, he commands attention. As a six-year player, you go from that to redshirt freshman. No disrespect to Scooby Williams, but that's just a huge drop-off. And we saw it in that game against USF. I think so much of their success in the run game and, and, and plays where they just absolutely gashed Florida uh, was missing Ventrell in the mi middle uh, and they have not just now one, but they got two uh, freshmen uh, in their starting lineup at linebacker. Shamar James, um, you know, as a true freshman, has started now the past three games. So between him and Scooby Williams, um, you know, both of those guys are former top 100 recruits, but they're freshmen. And right. I think that there's a huge drop off there going from Ventrell Miller to those guys. I, I think that that's hurt them in the front seven. Um, you know, their, their defensive tackle depth is not where it needs to be. It's getting better because 400-pound-plus uh, Des Watson has been giving the Gators some snaps at nose tackle. Uh, the ball fans will definitely see number 21 lined up in the nose um, on Saturday. Um, but, you know, outside of him, they, they haven't got enough guys to give them, you know, consistency there. Um, so that, that's kind of what's going on with Florida from a run defense standpoint. I, I think that they have some really talented players there in the front seven but they're missing their key piece, um, and, and that and that depth in the interior of their defensive line is still not where it needs to be.
Hey, Zach, last thing I got for you. You mentioned Miller was a no-go on Saturday. Do you know what his situation is looking ahead to Saturday? Is it a day-to-day situation? It is, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think that there's definitely a good chance that he'll be out uh, for this game, um, you know, which, you know, for Florida obviously was, uh, you know, I guess good that they got to get this experience, but they saw how much some of the issues that they had, um, and now they got to go out, you know, in a road environment in the SEC. So if he cannot play that, that's going to be – a huge loss for Florida. Um, you know, and, and you're going up against a totally different beast uh, in terms of the offensive firepower that the balls have. So, um, you know, that's going to be a storyline to monitor throughout the week. We will learn on Wednesday night uh, after practice when we hear from Billy Napier whether Ventrell is going to go or not. And at that point, um, it's going to be on those young linebackers uh, to get their act together before they get to Rocky Top. Zach Alberti. The uh, correspondent from Gators Online of the On3 Network. Zach, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Uh, enjoy the week of coverage, and uh, we'll probably catch up with you on Saturday. Absolutely, man. I'll see you guys there. Looking All forward right. to it, man. Thanks, Zach. Sounds hey, ten- Tennessee fans, if, you, if you're a member of On3 and you want to follow what's going on with the Gators, Zach does a terrific job of team coverage. I mean, really breaks it down. His his post-game stuff was in unbelievable detail last night. So if you want to follow the opponent this week as an On3 subscriber, you got the opportunity to do that if you're subscribing to VolQuest. Be sure and check out what Zach and his team are doing down there at the Florida State. Great stuff down there. Zach, thanks again for your time, man. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Appreciate it, fellas. I'll see you guys on Saturday. All right. Sounds, sounds good. good. Thanks. Man. All right, we've uh, we've got a couple of really good guests here, so I don't know why we're ending with this next guy, but Austin Price is going to join us here to conclude this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind here in just a second. Final segment left here of this Rocky Top Rewind, Tennessee coming off a 63-6 win over Akron and now looking ahead to conference play with Florida coming to town. I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubbs. The man we welcome on now is our co-worker, Austin Price. You guys know him. You guys love him. Austin, there's a couple of people. I'm just going to ask you right out of the gate. Have you been asked to be the guest picker on the college game day set Saturday morning? Because we, we have some people who think you're going to be it. No. No, I, I'm not uh, I'm not in that realm of uh, celebrity. I'm a uh, lowly, lowly, lowly uh, guy who likes to cover a little bit of sports. Nothing more, nothing less. Um but I will say this, Eric, you've got to get new material. You make that same joke about why we're ending the show with a low light, and, you know, that every week. you got to come up with new material. I said we woke you up with fireworks two weeks ago. I mean, I was that, crazy. And then then. I said it wasn't I, fireworks. So. Hey, here, here's, here's, my, here's my material. It's the same shirt you were wearing on the show last week. Like, oh, get, I wore get, a white. Oh, no, no, oh, no, Austin, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. It's the me. same shirt Austin was me. wearing last week. Yeah. I mean, that's it's what is that shirt? Is that your my Atlanta my, Atlanta my Athletic Sunday Club Peter Blood? Sunday Red. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tiger. All right, AP. Let's let's get to this first of all. A, a lot of talk, obviously, about this game. We'll get to a couple things about the matchup. Let's talk recruiting for this coming weekend. How big of a weekend is this going to be for Tennessee? What are the early kind of highlights? What are you keeping an eye on this week in terms of potential visitors for Tennessee? Well, you know, obviously we're going to talk about David Hobbs. He's the most important recruit on the board in my mind. Um, you know, he'll be here for an official visit. You know, this is the kind of thing where, like, if you know, if the atmosphere is really good, you get so much momentum, and he rides the momentum of this visit. If Tennessee were to win the game, 
atmosphere is just spectacular. Like, you know, because I mean, let's face it, if Tennessee wins, I mean, it's going to be a pretty good place to be, right? Um, you know, and so uh, you just ride that momentum the rest of the way all the way to the finish line. You, you, you know, it, it behooves sometimes to be not last. It behooves to be first and get the momentum. Maybe that's the case here. The other one, Vice and Lang, offensive tackle. Tennessee needs to add uh, another tackle in this class or two, whether it be from the transfer portal, JUCO, or the high school ranks. He would be uh, in that in, in that realm for me. And then I'm interested to see if Arian Carter makes it up, the uh, linebacker from Smyrna who has taken off. He had a uh, bandy a couple of weeks ago. Then he had it Auburn Friday, Alabama Saturday, and USC on Sunday. I'll be stunned if Tennessee doesn't offer in short order. I think you'll see multiple other SEC offers hitting him up in the next couple of days. He's going to take off. So we'll see if Tennessee decides to go there. I think they probably will. But does he visit next weekend, not officially, but unofficially, to kind of get a feel for Tennessee and those type things? I think that's a real possibility, uh, as we said here on Sunday, um, ahead of next week's visits. But there'll be a lot of 24s in, a lot of 25s. Nico's supposed to be in town. Uh, and I think that's great when you're talking about Vice and Lang, Dave and Hobbs. You need one of your bell cows in this class to be here. Ethan Davis will be back in town. Most committed guys will be here next weekend. Uh, Jack Luttrell was in this past weekend because he has a uh, an event next Saturday and cannot be here. But uh, a lot of the committed guys will be back in town next weekend. And a 330 guy. I was going to say, you mentioned some of the heavy hitters and Lang and Hobbs, of course. But when you look at 2024 um, and, and 2025 as well, Chad is really – strong area for a lot of guys Tennessee's in on. You've got, you know, Gory Jr. who was up playing at Harden Valley against Harden Valley this past weekend. Of course, Carson Gentle's in that committed class for 2024. Boo Carter's a guy that Tennessee's well in on. That Chattanooga class for 24 and 25 is kind of loaded, and I expect Tennessee to really be heavily involved uh, with those guys moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at to 24, obviously, Boo Carter, um, Marcus Gory, um, Amari Jefferson, uh, Tennessee's already got a commitment from Carson Gentle. And then in 25, Martels Carter, uh, Cameron Sparks, who's a you know going to be a, a top 50 player nationally, I think, across all networks, um, just just freak athlete. And so Martels Carter can fly. Um, Boo Carter, I think there's a chance he's here next weekend, um, you know, uh, for the Tennessee-Florida game. We'll see. Again, anything can happen. A lot of factors in play here. Um, you know, the kids can end up elsewhere for next weekend for a visit. But, you know, I, I think the Knox will be a hot spot in recruiting next weekend because it's got game day, it's got a, a top 25 matchup, and, and, and Tennessee's got a lot of juice around it right now. And it's a 3.30 kickoff, which does not hurt from a travel standpoint because yeah. you're not going back at 4 in the morning, uh, but you don't have to get up at 4 in the morning to drive to the game either because it's not a noon game or a night game. So 3.30s are, are, a, great, uh, are, are a great factor for, for that as well. Hey, Houston wants to know about the, the Lipscomb guys. Uh, anything going on with, with some of those guys? Any chance that any of them were coming in this weekend? Yeah, I think, Caleb, I think there's a chance Caleb Beasley makes it in this weekend. I, I think the Spillman brothers will be here as well. But, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys are very important to Tennessee. Obviously, Nathan's committed. Edwin's important in the 24 class to Tennessee, and so is Caleb Beasley. So, you know, Tennessee's uh, in, in a good spot with Edwin, um, and, and I think they're in a good spot with, with Caleb Beasley as well. And, and credit, you know, the defensive staff for doing a nice job there. And credit Willie Martinez for doing a nice job with Caleb Beasley. 
he's done a nice job with the the kids in Chattanooga. And so, you know, we'll see how it all plays out, but this definitely feels like a situation where Tennessee is, uh, done a really nice job and, and continues to uh, get out ahead of uh, each class. Austin, uh, we were asked earlier about this and, and been asked about the whole show. I've mentioned kind of my thoughts on Tennessee on the injury front, that, that it's just going to be a day-by-day thing. It's going to be, to me, middle of the week, late in the week, before you know anything for sure in regards to Cedric Tillman and Jabari Small and um, – Dylan Sampson and, and those guys. That's kind of where I am right now. I'm not putting it off. I just don't know how, you know, the the they're, the the swelling and the reaction and and everything to that. Is that kind of where you are with the, with these guys right now? Are you hearing anything different since we spoke earlier this afternoon? No, I mean, when you're, you're talking about Sampson and you're talking about Cedric Tillman, you're talking about ankles. Um, how do they respond? Um, that all those guys have been hitting the stem and the tens machine and pulsating and trying to get it, you know, get it going and activated um, since, you know, it happened last night. And so, you know, how much can the training staff bring them along and, and where's it at? Is it a high ankle sprain? Is it a low ankle sprain? If it's a low ankle sprain, bring it along all week, all week, all week, shoot it up, play. And, and then you've got a two week rest and recuperate until LSU. So, um, you know, we'll see as far as Jabari small, it feels like more of a stinger type thing. I think he guts through it and plays next week. I still think you're going to see a ton of Jalen, Wright. And then again, what, what happens with Samson's ankle, that running back situation is different though. Cause I mean, if, if small couldn't play, Samson couldn't play, then you're at Jalen, Wright And Justin Williams, Thomas, and then the emergency third back is Princeton Fant, and who knows what after that. So, you know, that running back position is definitely one that you have to monitor all week long. Yeah, that's why that's why Tennessee took a flyer on Lynn J. Dixon, knowing that yeah. you might not get anything, but this is the situation we talked about, and and hopefully those guys will get healthy and and be ready to go. Austin, when you look at Florida, obviously you know about the past, you know about the trends, you know about how they've fared since the Utah game this year. But I mean, this is a game to where doesn't matter where you are, you throw the records out. The, I mean, this it is the old cliche: you th- you throw everything out the window and you go play football. It's just Tennessee and Florida. That, that is that kind of how you see it. Yeah, I, I think Tennessee's the better football team. There's a reason they're the nine and a half point favorite. But yeah. I think Florida walks in, no matter how they've been playing. And let's face it, the last couple of weeks they've not been very good on offense. And they're going to give Tennessee their best because they're going to walk in here thinking we own this team. We own yeah. this program. It doesn't matter what we've done last week at South Florida or how we played against Kentucky. We own Tennessee. And so that's why Tennessee's got to go out and not fall behind early. They've got to go out and punch Florida right square in the mouth that first quarter. I'm gonna, You're going to hear me talk about this ad nauseum all week long. The first quarter is the key. If Tennessee is up at the end of the first quarter, I think Tennessee has a real chance to, to, to pull away and win this game by double digits. If they're not, they're letting Florida – you know, get the early lead or you have an early turnover and give Florida a short field and put your defense behind the eight ball and those type of things, you give Florida a reason to believe even more Then that whole momentum thing can switch. I, I think that first quarter is massive for Tennessee um, this week. I think they've got to go out and just take it from Florida and just kind of just say, nope, not this year. This is our year, and that's kind of the mindset they're going to have to have. And I think it's imperative, Eric, too, that, that Tennessee gets off to a good start because of the engagement of the crowd. They're going to be revved up anyway. If you can hold that juice for that, you know, early in the game and make some plays, this is a Florida team that's playing youth, that hasn't been on the road before. This coaching staff with this team hasn't been on the road. 
you know, there, there's some potential growing pains there. And I think Tennessee's fans can be a factor in that, Eric. But to do that, the Tennessee team on the field has to do something good early to keep them engaged. No doubt about it. Um, it's it's one of those games to where you you kind of like Casey said, you want to go out there and you want to take a shot early. You want to you want to you you want to throw the first punch, just like Austin said that he's going to say all week you need to jump on him early. And I, I think it's interesting. And if you haven't read the ten things you think you learned uh, that that Brent's you know wrote up on the site from today, it's kind of interesting when you break down Hendon Hooker's numbers to start ball games this year. Um, now, of course, his numbers look great, and he's gone on to have solid football games. But in the first quarter, you know, first couple of drives, his numbers aren't fantastic. In a game like this, you need him. You, you need those to be better, uh, point blank. And so, um, I'm looking forward to it. I know everybody here is looking forward to it. It's Tennessee, Florida, and uh, the first big time test. Of course, Pittsburgh was a test, but conference play, it's another animal now. You know, Tennessee's going to get welcoming Florida into a sold out Neyland Stadium for uh, the Tennessee, Florida SEC opener. All right, Rocky Top Rewind. It's going to hit the review mirror now. Austin Price, Brent Hubs. I am Eric Kane. Guys, thank you so much for joining us each and every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. We take a look back at the game and look forward to what's to come. Stay tuned to VolQuest.com as the week goes on and the General's Quarters for all of our coverage. Hit the like button. Help this video get 500 likes. And always pay attention to us. Subscribe and follow us on the YouTube channel, VolQuest, as well. For Austin Price, I am uh, for Austin Price and Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. This has been the Rocky Top Rewind, VolQuest.com.